0: What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Managing Editor, FightfulMMA.com. We had a loaded weekend of MMA, Bellator, UFC, and this weekend, a loaded combat sports weekend. Well, kinda. Bellator, MMA, Europe 2, UFC Fight Night, Ottawa, and of course, Canelo versus Jacobs. Next week, we have the the debut of PFL Season 2. They actually just signed another uh, WWE name, Lillian Garcia to ring announce but well, we got some stuff to talk about and we're going to talk about it with one James Lynch. James how are you? I'm awesome guys like you mentioned busy weekend and busy week ahead. Uh, we, we got a lot to talk about today. Yeah we are also joined by showdown
2: Joseph Ferraro. What's up guys how are you? Sorry uh, to everyone that's kind of tuned in right now I'm, I'm fighting a cold so if I start hacking I apologize.
0: Hot dog you got the the it probably probably from that plane you were on.
2: Could have been the plane, the weather changing over here. It could be anything. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I would hazard to guess when you're 13 hours on a plane within four days or three days, yeah, you get sick.
0: We mainly, right now, to recap things, there hasn't been like a ton of news that has emerged out of the last uh, couple of days or anything like that. But we we had some shows this past weekend. UFC Fort, no, Fort, Fight Night Fort Lauderdale, uh, Bellator 220, some uh, momentous fights. Not necessarily great fights in, in some regards, but uh, there, there was good with the bad. Let's start off with Bellator. Now, I got to say, I was shocked. Like, I always tout how many comments are in, in our live coverage and all that. How about 660 ish to zero UFC shut out Bellator? I wasn't expecting that this weekend. Wow. I expected Bellator to be much more talked about this weekend, but I, I think for a lot of the wrong reasons Bellator got talked about this week, Joe, but I want to know what you thought of this event. We saw McDonald mm-hmm. versus Fitch go to a majority draw. We're going to talk about that. Aleem McFarlane defeated, uh, Ortega, Ben Henderson versus Piccoli Davis over McGeary. Just chat some shit, Joe.
2: Well, I mean, I was able to catch some of the highlights for these fights here. I mean, about through a name value, this main card did have quality fights, quality names on there, especially with uh, the co-main co- event with the flyweight title fight. Obviously, Roy McDonald has that UFC uh, backing old school fans know who John Fitch is. And there's always that tie with John Fitch taking on George St. Pierre and the rivalry with uh, TriStar. I mean, Ben Henderson, former UFC champ, Phil Davis. I mean, there was, there was name value on this card. I'm actually surprised there wasn't much love for it.
0: Also, uh shout out to James Lynch for letting me know that I put our <laughs> Google Hangouts link live. <laughs> we almost had we almost had a bunch of people joining. That happened to me once on a Monday Night Raw episode. I accidentally tweeted the Google Hangouts link that I sent to Joe and James, and we had just people like you just saw them laid back dark in in dark rooms and stuff. <laughs> that was almost tragic. James I want to know what you think of this this John Fitch Rory McDonald fight because man, I'm real conflicted on this. I see it I see it the majority draw the who win or here's what happened. majority draw was the was the ruling. Two scorecards had a draw one had Fitch. It is wild to me that Rory McDonald can advance in this tournament without having one on a scorecard but John Fitch did win on one. Now, I understand this is literally the most confusing thing that could have possibly happened, and it happened, James.
1: Yeah, worst case scenario for Bellator here, and, and of course, Rory's speech after. We can get into that in a sec, but uh, yeah, to me, the guy who had the scorecard that, that a judge picked that he won should have advanced. That doesn't make any sense, and I think in general, if you watch that fight, I know some people will say Rory won that. I thought John Fitch clearly won the fight. Um, me You too. know, I, I I think it's... I know Bellator, their cash cow is Rory. It's not the 41-year-old who's, you know, just been with Bellator a little long, uh, you know, just a little while there. But, uh, yeah, this this was really bad. And I think... You know they can't just sweep this under the rug. People got to be, you know, should be should make Bellator accountable for this. I realize Rory is their champion, and I know there's obviously, you know, especially when it comes to like decisions and things like that. You know, you got to beat the champ, as they say. But I think this was a case where, like you said, the judge did give it to John Fitch. I think Fitch gets screwed out of this whole thing, and hopefully they they look at this again. I think the solution here would to be remove Rory from the tournament and have the winner potentially fight him later, if you wanted to get around that ruling and you still wanted Rory to be involved. But um, yeah, this is this is really bad, and I do feel for John Fitch, and I hope they can somehow compensate. Hate him or whatever. But um yeah, it's just uh, this this was a really to me, this was the story of the weekend was Rory McDonald and, and everything that he said after and the fight itself. It just it seems like the old Rory is gone. Yeah, the fight sucked, in my opinion. It was
0: really <laughs> bad, but I thought John Fitch won that fight. I really did. And I couldn't believe that there were so many scorecards for Rory. I was shocked. And oh man. Joe, you, you've been through a lot of the courses. You've been through a lot of this stuff, but this is a situation you can't really prepare for because it's not like <clears throat> somebody has to advance in the tournament. But no matter what, how how is it affected with championship fights? Because, of course, Bellator could have said, well, the guy who wins on one scorecard advances in the tournament, and that's that's up to them. They make that call based on bookings but how how does all that play into championships because the title can't change hands on a
2: majority draw which was a big part of this yeah i mean in my opinion i mean i have to watch the fight again or in full to be honest with you to dissect what my scorecards were but based on what james said and i completely agree one judge uh, so two judges had it 47-47 one judge had it 48-46 fitch Fitch should be the one advancing. I mean, I said it last week, and knew. I mean, I picked and knew. And I wasn't being facetious only because Rory McDonald is not the same Rory McDonald uh, as the guy that was competing in the UFC. He's just completely, um, his game has gone downhill. Because, I, mean, let's, I mean, do you want to go back to that Robbie Lawler fight? I mean, that took that took his, his life out of him. Man. And it's, it's been a different fighter altogether, especially with that fight with Giger Mousasi. He's a completely different athlete. He's not the same. Uh, he will beg to differ. Faraz will beg to differ. George will tell me otherwise. I Listen, the proof is in the pudding here. And when it comes to situations like this, it's it's tough for John Fitch to sit there and be like, wait a second, of all the judges' scorecards, I'm the only one that got a victorious scorecard. Why am I not advancing? Why am I not the champ? Well, you're not the champ because of a majority draw. I get that. But in my opinion, John Fitch should be advancing here. At the very worst, and not the very worst, uh, another uh, solution here is a simple rematch, right? Oh, could you imagine, though? <laughs> but just for just for the I, sake I of, of defining an answer right oh i get i get it and I, I agree
0: with you I, and let's be honest bellator isn't beyond doing that they rematched liam mcgeary and phil davis on this same show and yeah. that fight did not need to happen joe i want to know in your estimation and you, you're well educated in judging and refereeing and all that should there be a shift if there's a majority draw? Should it be the person who wins the most scorecards gets the victory in that case, or should they leave it as is where, well, two scorecards say draw one says a person won. how would you handle that?
2: For the sake of argument and under the unified rules of mixed martial arts, it stays a majority draw definitely stays a majority draw because two of the three scorecards making it a majority 66% make it a draw. And that's why it's a majority draw. So for, for the record, it should remain a majority draw. For the purposes of the tournament, where the promoter uh, has a show uh, and has a system going forward to to crown a new champion or, t- or tournament champion, I would look at the promoter and say, well, this. If you want to look at it this way, if it's a draw and you got to beat the champ, that's a that's a fallacy. You know, to beat the champ. You got to beat the champ. No, no, that, that doesn't work. You know, you got to defeat the champ in every single round. No, you got to de- defeat the champ on the scorecards. But for the sake of the promotion to continue their tournament. John Fitch, in my opinion, is the one that needs to move forward because he had, he had at least one winning scorecard.
0: Let's talk about what happened afterwards. James, you mentioned it. Rory McDonald, I think he blamed his shitty fight on Jesus at one point, which I'm on board with because how many times have we seen people almost murder one another in the cage and they credit Jesus for that? Rory was like, man, you know what? I used to like to fight, but Jesus tells me not to anymore more or less paraphrasing, but he says that he doesn't have that same urge for violence anymore. Keep in mind, he's about six weeks out from a fight with Neiman Gracie, which I don't think is going to happen as scheduled. James, what do you think about all this?
1: Well, he said to in the post-fight presser that he is still planning on fighting Neiman Gracie. And Frost was on with um, was was on with Ariel yesterday and says that you know that that's the plan. But yeah, again, I think when you hear a fighter talk like this, I don't think it's the best idea to have him in there. I mean, if you're, you know, what it reminds me of a little bit, it's like in the NHL Joe, and you know, you can understand this reference, like you know when a team's had like you know a six-game road trip and they come home, you know, back to back. And then you know they're just they're not going to play well the next night. It's it kind of reminds me of that. It's like you know, as advertised, it's not going to be a good thing. Like Rory's basically saying, like I'm not the same fighter. I don't have the same killer instinct. Like if you imagine, you could not sell that fight any less. uh, You know, in terms of the next matchup with Neiman Gracie, and I think that's that. that, I think Bellator really needs to evaluate this matchup and evaluate if Rory should even be fighting because that's not a good message to send to your fans. I mean, this was a terrible fight. Um, You know, he wants to obviously the tournament has to move along. But I think they got to reevaluate this because again, you're not if, if you're saying you're not the same fighter, why would people want to go watch that? What what can you even expect from Rory this time out? Um, I just think right now mentally he's not in it. And um, you know, I, I think that it's just it's it's something they should reevaluate at this point. I realize he's the champion, but they you know, I, I don't know. I, I think this is something that they really need to take a closer look at.
0: Joe, your thoughts on this. I mean, obviously you're you're close with a lot of people who've been close with Rory over the years.
2: Doesn't make sense to me, man. Well, you know what? I, I should say, let me paraphrase that in, in a different manner because, uh, you know, Rory has always operated at a different frequency from day one when I met him as a teenager. Uh, he's a little bit different. Um, he was a very, very, you know, violent individual in terms of, of competing in mixed martial arts. I remember I, I, I had a saying one time, this guy, you know, walks on a tightrope of dental floss just hoping he falls into the octagon to fight. Now it's a cage with with Bellator. Um his outlet was the violence. His outlet was competing. His outlet was just to, to be allowed to be violent for 15 to 25 minutes. And it seems that it's been lost on him right now. And I don't know about the religious thing anymore or what's, what's really happening with that, but um, it's a different person nowadays. It's a different person competing altogether. And, you know, like James said, this is not the message you want. You no, know, Belter doesn't want this guy saying this kind of stuff when it's like, man, you know, I don't know if he's the cash cow, James. I just, I don't think he's ever been that. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why the UFC was more than happy to not offer him um, what his management expected that he was going to receive. He's just, he was never a guy that wanted to promote fights. I mean, we had conversations in person, one-on-one, man-to-man about, you know, he, he was talking to me one time about, you know, I want suits like you. I want suits like you. I said, well, I'm on TV every week and my show replays three times a week. I'm on, I'm in the public eye. You need to figure out how to get in the public eye, i.e. come on my show a bit more, do more radio shows, do more interviews, be in that public eye. Don't be taking off people's radars and sponsors will jump on that. You'll make more money. You can get the suits. You know, I want to be like Mayweather. I want to be like Mayweather. So you want to be like Mayweather. Mayweather doesn't stop. When it's time for Mayweather to promote, it's like, that's all he does, right? You can't expect just fighting to pay, to make your millions. You've got to do more and get those sponsorship dollars. So it's a guy that's operated like this for quite some time and you know, now we're starting to see the later part of his career and he's still young, which is strange, you know,
0: that's a very good point. Also, Lima, McFarland McFarlane defeated Veta Ortega. Lima, McFarland McFarlane is now one title defense away from tying the Bellator record with Ben Askren, James. Uh, she, she's probably going to get it because there's not a lot of stiff competition there, but I think she is what Bellator wants her to be. I, I, not going to pretend like this was a best case scenario for Bellator, but Alimale McFarlane winning was a great scenario for Bellator. James,
1: it is, and this was actually the best case scenario for this fight because it was closer than people thought. And I think with the way the fight ended with the you know the cut and everything else, uh, it sounds like that rematch is going to happen. And that's always what you want in a situation like this because uh, you know you want to be invested in the challenger. It reminds me of UFC 165, John Jones, Alexander Gustafson. You have this super close fight. I mean, that fight essentially made Gustafson. Had Gustafson got finished in the first round, I don't think his career would be as long as it has been, um, you know, despite the injuries and everything. But, you know, I think that that's one of those things. They sort of got a gift here. in the fact that Ortega made it a bit of a fight. And I think that um, Bellator is going to run with that. I think we will see the rematch because like you said, she's running out of challengers and notable challengers too. I mean, Laterno was sort of the pinnacle because of the fact she fought for a UFC championship, um I again I don't know what is next after this I I think there's like one or two fighters out there but uh you know all the good flyweight fighters in the UFC and uh you know I think it's just going to be like a Ben Askren situation where he just keeps you know keeps winning and they're going to have to just find people to take that title spot Joe any thoughts on this one
2: she's the darling of the company if you ask me I think you're doing great with her and I think she's doing great for them so um I never thought of the rematch but yeah why not right
0: we had two fights, Ben Henderson wins, beats Adam Piccolotti. This was a close fight. It was a Ben Henderson fight. And then we had Phil Davis and Liam McGeary, these two accomplished ground fighters. And what do they do? A technical striking battle on the feet. And I say technical as a nice way of saying real boring. Uh, these guys went about oh for 75 on strikes. It was like when you're sparring, and you had just, you've just you just learned about concussions and you're sparring right afterwards and you're like, you know what, I really don't want one. Then Phil Davis eventually takes Liam McGeary down and it looked like Liam McGeary tapped even before the submission was locked in. James, any thoughts on these two? I mean, again, from a Bellator perspective, you're probably happy that Ben Henderson picked up his third win in a row. You're probably happy that Phil Davis, the younger, more marketable, more famous light heavyweight Has one. He told me, by the way, he has no plans on moving up to heavyweight anytime soon. So he's sticking around in that division. Your thoughts, James?
1: Uh, just on Henderson Piccolotti very close fight I actually think this was another good scenario for Bellator where Piccolotti showed that he's still a a top guy in that division and you know Benson Henderson winning a split decision shocker we've never seen that before um Mm -hmm. you know I think I think it's one of those things where you know Henderson has the bigger name they can sell that to you know whatever happens with Michael Chandler and and Pitbull although you know Henderson's I think fought both of those guys um there's just more options though with Henderson you can do a lot a lot more just because he he is a former UFC champion and for Piccolotti like I said he didn't look terrible in this fight I thought he actually was quite game and potentially could have this fight too uh, with davis you know him finishing a fight is just a miracle let's just uh you know enjoy that for a second because it's terrible ever since, since he finished since he finished a fight um yeah. so 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 in that sense in McGeary i think it's just the, the game's past him at this point i mean really uh i think you know he's 36 i don't really know what he has to accomplish at this point he's not going to get back to the top of the heap um you know maybe he thinks about hanging them up and i i know he you know he recently moved to hawaii i think last year you know just ride out and find a career after fighting, but I don't think he's a top fighter anymore. And for Davis, he's still in that mix. You know, I'm sure people are dying to see that trilogy against him and Ryan Bader, but no, I, it's all seriousness. He's still up there and he's a decent name. So I think this is a good, good case scenario for Bellator here. How about you, Joe?
2: Sarcasm filter on James's mic is uh, on point today. Uh, it, it's, it's tough not to echo a sentiment. I thought Henderson was going to get that finish. I'll be on, I'll be honest with you. I thought he'd be able to pull something off here. Um, alas, A split decision was not what I envisioned. I didn't think he was going to lose to Adam, but even a split decision and, and, you know, James's sarcasm is noted. Come on, Benson, man, you got to figure this out, man. Twilight of your career. We got to do this. Um, Phil Davis, not moving up to heavyweight. I think he should consider it, to be honest with you. Why not? But um, again, the trilogy fight with Ryan Bader is, I'm sure is what he's angling for. Uh, He wants that title back. And I don't, you know, it's going to be difficult because Ryan Bader is absolutely on fire right now. But Sometimes styles make fights. I know we've seen it before, but, you know, anything can happen. In terms of McGree going down and, and tapping pretty much, um, man, man, you see a picture of his busted jaw? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, I mean, it's probably guys are a tough, but that's not, yeah. uh, that, that hurts. But, yeah, Phil Davis got the finish, you know, good for him. Speaking of styles
0: makes fights, uh, USC Fort Lauderdale, Jack Hermanson, a life-changing win. Mm-hmm. Over Jacare Souza, I would say dominant, but there was a, about a round and a half where Jacare really ripped to the body of Hermanson that looked like it was going to do some damage, but Hermanson got it done. Joe, this is like I said, life changing. Like we're talking, he fought a month ago, he came back and he beat Jacare, and we are looking at a middleweight scenario. Joe, Jacare lost, gaston lost, Weidman lost, Rockhold at the bricks. Romero's been gone for who knows what's going on. This is wild. It's exciting. It's different. What did you think of his performance and and the picture moving forward?
2: Well, with great risk comes great reward, mm-hmm. right? Took a huge risk. Uh took this fight on short notice. And we all thought, oh man, you're you're uh, this is gonna be tough for you, but you can probably pull it off. Well, he pulled it off with, with flying colors, in my opinion. He didn't get the finish. You he heard in his post fight interview where he was kinda like, I was I was aiming for that finish, but uh, he did what he had to do. Now, it, to say that he's not in the title mix or at least should be mentioned would be, you know, asinine because the, the guy pulled off um, a pretty good victory when you consider Jacare. Now, Jacare, I think we can all start agreeing that the twilight is here. You know, it's it's he's not that killer anymore. And, you know, especially when that fight went down on the ground, it was almost like, you know, we, if, if you break down this fight, Hermanson dominated on the ground, right? He nullified, he neutralized, he did a fantastic job. So it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with his career. Uh, both both guys actually, but you know, I'm I'm I like these kind of stories, man. Um, you know, the Joker comes in there, short notice, does what he has to do, and continues to move up. So I like to see him bypass some of these guys that you just mentioned, Sean, uh, and get up there and get within one fight of a title fight. Why not?
0: Yeah, I, I agree, James. This was a big one, a huge one, and a lot of people when this main event was set, they were was set as the replacement. They were like, ah. Okay. Sacrificial lamb. Not so much.
1: You think so? I, I think it was a little bit closer than people thought. And we saw that in the betting line as well. It wasn't, Jacare wasn't a huge favorite in this one. I mean, Hermanson, we got to remember how he won his last fight. He submitted David Branch. I mean, he yeah. really around really. I think that's well, why a lot of people were yeah, off. That, that, that too. And I, he nearly submitted Jacare in this fight. I mean, there was a point in the, I think it was yeah. the first round where he, he got him he got him to the ground and you know, I mean, it's Jacare you're like, ah, no worries. He'll get it out. And he did. But, um, no, I, I think I agree. Yeah, the turnaround was a lot. But, um, you know, we've, we've seen that before. I mean, there's guys like, you know, Anthony Smith as well at 205 where he's just, you know, getting fights and he's riding that momentum. Um, you know, you're seeing opportunities like that for guys. I mean, even like, um, yeah, I mean, to, to me, there's, it, it, like Joe said, high risk, high reward here. Um, I, I think this was just the test to see, you know, is he really that good or is it just a, you know, a case of him getting someone at a good time? And clearly he is that good. Um, he's definitely in the mix right now. And I think it's, it's a very exciting time in the middleweight division. Cause just think in the span of like, not even like five months, you're seeing all these pieces move around. And, uh, I think, uh, Hermanson has a lot of options here for his next opponent. I know he wants that card. I think it was later in the year, um, you know, internationally, but, uh, if he wants to fight you all Romero, I would imagine that's gotta be a little bit sooner. Cause Romero, as far as I know, he's pretty good to go quite soon. It was just an illness that kept him out. I think that's the fight you got to do right now. Forget about Paulo Costa. He really hasn't, I mean, and, you know, to me, he's got to fight some, some better competition here. Uh, Uriah Hall should not get him a fight with, you know, Jack or with, you know, uh, UL Romero, in my opinion. So I, I, do, I do Hermanson against UL or Hermanson versus Gaslam, maybe. I mean, I don't know. To me, it's, it's good to be in the Jack Hermanson business.
0: Greg Hardy defeated Smoklyov. Boy, was I wrong about this. I thought that <laughs> Dimitri's experience would maybe give him an advantage. And Dana White, he said it. Okay, here's the thing. Dana White echoed my sentiments afterwards. He goes, "I want to know who the nine guys this this guy beat were." And I'm like, "Why don't you know? You hired him."
2: If that wasn't a pot shot to the matchmakers, I don't know what is. Yeah, right. Greg I mean, Hardy they, won. Yeah. is there any
0: is there anything worth talking about here? Greg Hardy won. That's nice. He's going to get a can again.
1: Oh, and he got, thing, yeah. he got 150K for the fight. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, But here's the thing. I, wanna, I just want to point this out. Like, let, let's take everything, and we talked about this in the previous show. Let's take everything we know about Greg Hardy and his personal life and all that outside of it. I, I see this narrative over and over. I can't believe they put him in the main event. I, I don't understand oh, why man. the UFC is promoting him. I don't understand why he's getting paid this much. He's a former NFL Pro Bowler. If you forget about his past, that is exactly what they should be doing. They should be giving him a can. They should be paying him this amount of money. All that goes into place. Now, morally, is it right? Ethically, is it right? Absolutely not. But, I mean, you have to look at it from that. Like, these people who are dumbfounded, they can't understand why they would put him there. And regardless of what you think talent-wise, if it was any other NFL Pro Bowl, you'd be saying the same thing. That's why people tune in. I had Greg Hardy on a fantasy football team years ago. I know who Greg Hardy is, and I'm like a casual yeah. football fan. That, that just goes to show that, like, they, they know what they're doing. And it, in some ways, it worked to what the UFC was trying to achieve, which is... I'm sure they knew. They, they know everything. I mean, to say that, oh, they didn't know about his past or that he's, you know, whatever's happened, they know the fact that they got people talking about it means that they've done their job. So that, that's how I look at the whole situation. And yeah, they got to keep building him up. They're, they're going to give him the MVP treatment. Trust me.
0: Mike Perry defeated Alex Oliveira. Dare I say this may have been Mike Perry's biggest win? Although, you know, Alex Oliveira has lost two in a row now. Alex Oliveira, a very well rounded fighter, Joe. And Mike Perry beat the man. And then asked for a fight with Darren Teal. About six, eight months ago, I didn't like that fight. I like that fight now. I think it makes a lot of sense now, considering their history, if Darren Teal can stop stealing vehicles for yeah. a while. That that would
2: be helpful. What do you think of Perry? And what do you think of Perry versus Teal? I like Perry versus Teal. Why not get it done? It's it's an easy sell uh, for a lot of people, especially the UFC. Uh, people will tune in to watch that fight. I, I wasn't overly impressed with Mike Perry's performance, to be honest with you, he looked lethargic and slow at times, although he was timing his strikes, uh, but he did beat Alex Oliver. And I think that the fact that Mike Perry's power is what it is, is what really uh, probably dropped that gas tank on, on Cowboy. Because after he got, got hit a few times, he was like, whoa, I got to be careful here. Oh, he kept engaging. Um, but you know, Mike Perry still has some work to do at 170 pounds uh, to really impress people. But if he can do that, uh, lethargic or slow or not, and defeat Darren Till, you know, a lot of eyebrows are going to be raised. Uh, although Till's been what knocked out in his past two fights, if I'm not mistaken, or at least his last fight, he's Mausfidal. lost two in a
0: row, and that puts him in a much closer well, oh, yeah, it was a title than, shot,
2: yeah, a title and, shot, and, and then And Pedal. Uh, also he's been rocked twice. So who knows where his chin and his brain is at right now? So this could be a good uh, opportunity for Mike Perry to capitalize on. So uh, yeah, definitely a fight I want to see happen because Till's got to do something, right,
1: James. First things first, I can't believe Cowboys fallen off the horse the way he has in these last, ah, fights. you yeah. know, like Gunnar Nelson and now this. I mean, it's just it's it's incredible just how much yeah. he's fallen off. Um, you know, he, he yeah, anyways. Um but uh but yeah, it's for like to right, wrangle up a few victories, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, he's really yeah. Um, anyways, uh, as far as this performance, very surprising for Mike Perry, you know, because he was an underdog heading into this one. Uh, had his back against the wall. Um, you know, good good win for him. The till fight, I, I do have some issues with it, and I'll tell you why. I mean, obviously, the build-up would be great, and stylistically it's a great fight, but I've said this before Darren Till has two losses you cannot give him a fight like this where there's a risk of him losing give him a tomato can I don't think Mike Perry is an easy fight for anyone he's been in pretty much all of his fights um I, I think with what Till brings to the table in terms of his marketability and just the, the following I mean I, you know anytime anything about Darren Till is mentioned it's huge views on YouTube like this guy is has a huge following I think you've got to give him a layup in his next fight and I don't think Mike Perry is that layup not to mention I don't think Perry necessarily deserves this fight um, because of the fact you know he beat Oliveira which I know he's ranked in Everything before that, though, uh, you know, he lost to Cowboy Cerrone, and then he beat Paul Felder, who's a lightweight. I just don't know where he fits in. I mean, it was a couple fights ago that Max Griffin completely dominated him and beat him, so I don't know if Perry necessarily deserves a guy ranked as high as Till, even though it's a fun matchup. Just kind of playing the pessimist. How about Mike Perry and Bilal Muhammad? I think that makes a lot of sense, two guys willing to stand and trade and both guys who are kind of ranked around the same area. I think it would uh, be a fun fight for that one. So I'm just playing the pessimist here, but I do. Bilal
0: Bilal Muhammad needs an exciting fight. He's going to be stuck in those fight pass prelims if he keeps winning fights. The way that he has been,
1: exactly. Yeah. So I'm just looking at it from a different angle. I mean, I would not argue to watch Till and Perry, but I just think with with Till, you have to be careful. I think you do have someone who's relatively young, who has a good backing, who's you know got a lot of legal trouble and everything else. They got to build him back up again. You don't give him Mike Perry if you're trying to build him back up.
2: I think I'm just super impressed here, guys, with uh, everyone tuned in uh, and likely listening later on. Uh, what you guys are seeing is the evolution of James Lynch here, who is intelligent enough to put on the promoter hat for a second. Right. Sometimes when you break things down as an analyst, you can't just look at it from one perspective, be it the fighter or whatever. You have to look at it from a business perspective as well. If you put James's hat on as a promoter. That makes perfect sense with Darren Till. You got a guy that does move the needle. We can go back to the Greg Hardy conversation. Greg Hardy moves the needle more than uh, you know. Who we'll talk about next? Perhaps Glover Teixeira. Like it's a guy that you know. A lot of us will sit inside the MMA bubble. Uh, and not realize outside of the MMA bubble people are tuning into a UFC event because oh NFL's Greg Hardy is competing right and then from a perspective from you know you got a guy like Darren Till who's big in the European market maybe you do have to protect him you've got you put some money in him you're investing in him maybe Mike Perry is not the correct fight despite us thinking you know what it'd be a great marketable fight what are you losing in this perspective should Darren Till lose so good call James.
0: We're going to talk about Glover Teixeira and Carla Esparza next. Uh, Glover Teixeira overcame some adversity, beat a prospect uh, emerging in the top 50 or near the top 15 in Ian Cutilaba. And uh, like I, like I mentioned in Cutilaba did not look bad at times in this fight. Then you had Carla Esparza defeat Verna Jander, who was a highly touted prospect, but took the fight on short notice. I don't think that she was hurt by this, but Carla Esparza probably needed to earn that victory. Glover Teixeira, keeps himself very relevant with this win. Even though QT is outside of the top 15, I thought that uh, Glover, his experience was so crucial here and ended up uh, taking home the victory. Any thoughts on these two, James?
1: Uh, Yeah, I thought with uh, Glover, especially, um, you know, that's why I picked him in this fight. I felt the experience was going to be too much. Uh, He can still take a punch at his age. It's amazing, you know, for a guy his age that he's still able to, you know, persevere and and get these wins. And I think experience is what this came down to. Um, You know, Kutalaba had a nice run, but I mean, when you're facing a guy like Glover, in my opinion, he's still at the top, still close to the top, I should say, Uh, you're going to run into some trouble. And then as far as the Sparza, yeah, good for her. I mean, you know, I I counted her out in this fight. I think a lot of other people did too. She was the betting underdog. Um, You know, that wrestling is. Is good i still think there's a ceiling on her at this point i think she's still a wrestler um this is a good win for her but i don't know i, I still think we saw you know when she tries to get those fights that are in the contender spot like a tatiana suarez she's still not there yet um and I, I think you know this is a good win for her but i don't know what her ceiling is not to discredit the win the win was good but um i still don't think she's elite at this point joe your, your thoughts on these two
2: well i mean these are part of my weekend full of uh, i told you so's uh, Carlos Barza, I thought for sure, just based on the matchup. And even though, um, her opponent was a, a prospect, I thought she was going to win this fight. I don't think she's as bad as what her record states, especially with her last few fights, uh, considering the controversy around one of the decisions, which I believe she should have won. So I still think she has the skills. I do get that. I do understand James's theory about her ceiling because she's still a wrestler but her timing is fantastic. She's able to time it, whether it's in the first, second, or third round, when to get that takedown. If she could just sit down on those punches and really tee off and throw a bit more kicks, uh, she would improve herself at, at 115 pounds. But it remains to be seen. And Glover, I, I can't count Glover out just yet. Uh, the only thing that Glover that that I think that could beat the style to beat Glover, in my opinion, other than John Jones, obviously, is the speed factor. If you could outspeed and outpoint. Glover Teixeira, you're going to catch him. And if you can catch him, you'll knock him out. You can take a punch. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're going to submit him. The, the, the guy's got some sick jiu-jitsu. Don't, don't kid yourself. And above all, he's got dad strength. People don't understand what dad strength is. This guy is a manual labor specialist. This guy will pick up a bunch of logs and hay and whatever it takes to, to build a backyard or a deck or whatever, right? This guy's strong. He's as strong as an ox, and the experience is huge. His timing is smart, and he flat-out said it, even in his pre-fight interviews and in his post-fight interviews. This guy is going to come at me with heat in the first round. All I have to do is get him into the second or third, and I will take over. I'll take what he has to give me in the first five to seven minutes, and then I'll take over. Lo and behold, he gets him into the second round. Three minutes, 37 seconds in, he gets a submission. So he did exactly what he was going to say, so kudos to Glover.
0: We saw some varying degrees of success and failure by some veterans. Takashi Sato defeated Ben Saunders. Might be it for Ben Saunders. That was uh, a nice finish by Sato. Jim Miller, the other end of things, submitted Jason Gonzalez via rear naked choke, as will happen when you face Jim Miller sometimes. His family was there to see it. And then Andre Arlovsky probably earned a win over Augusto Sakai, but the fight sucked so bad. It was a split decision that went to Sakai. Joe, what what is left for any of these guys, Jim Miller said he wanted to go on a Cinderella man run, but admitted it it was about his time. Ben Saunders, I'm beyond giving him the Jim Miller, Diego Sanchez, Joe Lozon chance in any fight. I don't, I don't see that anymore. And Andre Arlovsky does not win fights. And beyond that, he does not have, he doesn't have good performances. Even when he does win fights, I think his last good performance was in 15. What, What do you think is the future for these three?
2: Well, Ben Saunders. During last week's show, I mentioned how he's sort of that gatekeeper at welterweight, and Sato was going to be tested. If he can't beat Ben Saunders, he really shouldn't be in the UFC. Well, he beat Ben Saunders in the second round there, so uh, Sato moves on. Ben Saunders. I mean, it's he's 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 you know again. It seems like the theme of this show is the twilight, a bunch of guys in the twilight of their career. So he's got to go, in my opinion, eventually. Uh, he's just not there anymore at 170 pounds. Arlovsky. Sorry,
0: sorry to interrupt, but. It, it's a real bad situation when you become the gatekeeper of who should be in the UFC as opposed to should they be in the top 15 or the top 10
2: because man is that a low bar these days. Yeah, <laughs> especially in a division that is that stacked. When you're looking at lightweight and welterweight, uh, you know, if I'm considering you the gatekeeper that it's, it's it's not that good. Uh, and another, another personal against Ben Saunders. don't get me wrong. It's just where he is in his career right now, right? I mean, I thought it was beautiful the way he was getting the clinch and the typical knees that he was throwing up the middle. I mean, it looks beautiful, but it's hard for him because the minute he gets tagged, the experience and the MMA miles that he's had on his body, just his body starts shutting down. So Arlovsky's not getting destroyed, though. As much as he's not having exciting fights, he's not getting dropped and knocked out. So there's still a bit left in his tank. I'd like to see a bit more. In terms of Jim Miller and his Cinderella run, could be a beautiful story for 2019 i'd like to see it i mean like you say we don't know how much he has left but after what we saw with diego sanchez and his last fight bring it on jim miller i'd like to see him continue to go to move up those ranks if he can
0: james uh, your thought on the thoughts on this or any other fights that were on this show gilbert burns earned a win that he should have won uh angela hill beat jody Escabel. Escabel might be hitting the brick she's zero three in the ufc Diego Lima defeated Cort McGee. Most people I think would probably be out of a gig, but Court McGee probably will hang around. And then Roosevelt Roberts defeated uh, Thomas Gifford as well.
1: Yeah. Um, as far as a Sato, I mean, this is a a good scenario for him to get the finish in this one. Although he overcame a bit of adversity in the first, I thought Saunders looked good in the early going, but you know, Sato, just the younger guy, Arlovsky got robbed, but I'm sure Brendan Schaub's smiling somewhere with his fight in Vancouver. Cause that was, that was a robbery itself. I was there live actually, Joe, you were there too. I remember seeing you there. Um, you know uh, Gilbert Burns I mean what is with this guy having to fight short notice opponents remember he fought Dan Moret as well like last year and now he's fighting Mike Davis another like local guy so Burns has got to get a test here um, you know I know he lost to Dan Hooker and then we just beat Olivier he's got to find someone in the middle there as far as the next opponent I think Alex Hernandez makes a bit of sense there um, as far as the next opponent Jim Miller uh, yeah it's great to see him uh, go on this run but I mean I don't think Jason Gonzalez or Alex White will be in the UFC later this year it'd be nice to see him get a win over someone a little bit more established but like we mentioned uh, you know last week look at this killer's row of guys he's had to fight like Like Poirier, Pettis, Hooker, Oliveira, like he's had a rough go. So, you know, if if he can still beat the guys he's supposed to, I guess that's good news. Angela Hill gets the win. Talk about, you know, risk and reward. She had a short notice. She just lost a random Marcos on the Nashville card, takes us on short notice and gets the win. So good for her and good for Diego Lima. I mean, here's a guy that, you know, I I swear, I mean, even in Titan FC, Joe, you know, this when uh, Jason Jackson knocked him out. I mean, I thought this, this guy's career was done and, you know, he goes on the ultimate fighter. He ends up getting a win here, and then he fights Chad LaPreeze last year in a fight that I thought he was going to lose. He knocks out Chad LaPreeze, and now he beats Court McGee, so good for him. One of the nicest guys in the sport. We also have two or three events
0: over the next week. Bellator MMA Europe 2. There's Brent hold on, hold on, hold on, hold, hold on. on. Whoa, 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 what,
2: what? Corey Sanhagen, John Lineker.
0: Holy crap, oh, yeah. I, I can't be believe I missed that one. You're right. <laughs> Corey Sandhagen. this was a good fight, too. Uh, A contrast of style, Sanhagen. Wow, the size difference between these two was ridiculous. And as I've mentioned on previous shows, it ain't easy to beat John Lineker. You almost have to do EPO to beat John Lineker. I don't think Sanhagen's going to pop for EPO anytime soon. This is much like the Hermanson
2: fight. I I consider this life-changing for Corey Sanhagen, Joe. Did you gentlemen happen to mosey on over? It's down now, and I don't don't know why, but if you mosey on over to MMADecisions.com and take a look at the judges' scorecards for this fight, one ass clown of a judge. Let me rephrase that, or let me say it again. One ass clown of a judge gave the third round to Corey Sanhagen, which gave Corey Sanhagen this fight. Yeah, it was a very This was the same round that Corey Sanhagen was winning on points, and then almost got submitted, was fighting for his, to, 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 like, to not get submitted. That is a round that goes to John Lineker. Take nothing away from Corey Sanhagen, who had a fantastic performance. I loved his striking. His jab was beautiful. But, the, but scoring this fight here came down to the third round. Two of the judges gave it to John Lineker, based on the facts of what happened in the fight, one ass clown gave it to Corey Sanhagen. I have no idea how Sanhagen wins that third round. No idea.
1: James? Yeah, um, I mean, this, this fight reminded me, like, as far as, you know, physicality, uh, kind of a little bit of Brandon Thatch and Benson Henderson a couple years ago where, you know, Thatch was much bigger and Henderson, you know, the lightweight moving up, uh, you know, actually was able to win. But in this case, you know, Sanhagen, the bigger guy, ends up winning this one. This is a really close fight. I really enjoyed this fight. You know, people are like, I can't understand why they're booing. Well, you know, I think people forget Lineker trains in Florida. I think people wanted him to win and Sanhagen sort of, you know, spoiled the party. So I understand that. But it was a great fight. Huge win for Corey Sanhagen. I think him getting a full camp for this fight really helped because if you remember their first scheduled fight was on short notice. Um, so that was good. And uh, yeah, I mean, he just looks to, he, he looks to be a, a really good uh, asset in that division. I think the next fight for him, people might think it's a bit too much of a jump up, but how about him and uh, Rafael Asuncao? Uh oh, You know, Sunsau needs to get back on the winning track. Um, you know, at uh, Sanhagen, how high is the ceiling? We'll see. I, you know, I talked about it on the previous show. I thought Lineker was going to completely run through him and he didn't. So props to Sanhagen. He's definitely getting better every fight. And for Lineker, I think he's just got to fight more and, and you know, just try and go back to the drawing board because he's relatively young as well. He's, he's I think he's 28. So he just needs to, you know, fine tune some things and, uh, you know, get back there, but he was very much in this fight. I think this fight could have gone either way, to be honest.
0: Now we'll talk Bellator MMA Europe too. Kind of Brent Primus, <laughs> Tim Wild, Pedro Carvalho, Derek Campos, you have Fabian Edwards, undefeated fighter against somebody he should run through, an 11-9, Falco, Nato Lopez. On the prelims, James Mulherin, Jim Wallhead's on there. Really not a lot of note. Joe, is this anywhere remotely
2: close to your radar? Uh, no, 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 no. There's 600 fights on this card, I think. I mean, there's this. it's just nonstop. I get it, but I don't know. You, James, you may, I don't know, I think James will agree with this. I think you will too, Sean. Bellator really has to reevaluate this business plan that they have here. This is not making much sense to me. A four-card main card, a four-fight main card, cool, but th- they've got to do more in promoting their athletes. I'm sure they're trying, but... 18 fights in total. 18
0: fights. Imagine being the person who shows up for the first one. Oh, my God. Really. you got to be there I mean, at 9 a.m. They do the post-limb gimmick too, and I'm like... I don't know maybe maybe it's lost on me. I think that is such a like an early 2000s, mid2000s like type of thing to do. Just don't book that many fights and I know that they're like oh well maybe it'll help fill up the arena if we book locals and all that. Book better fighters. That might do it. James, uh, any thoughts on this show? Uh, Brent premise is gonna win. Uh, Carvalho versus Campos might be good whatever
1: <laughs> yeah and we should mention raymond daniels is fighting in mma yeah he, uh, he, he was in glory and you know obviously a yeah. very very well-known kickboxing guy but he's 38 and um you know he's uh yeah he hasn't fought in mma since 2008 in strike force so it's been he's qu- uh, quite 38 a while now yeah he's 38 wow. and 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 i don't know if they're still dating you know he he's he was dating uh colby northcutt Sage Northcutt's sister. Wow so good for him um <laughs> anyways um no no what this is is what we see every once in a while bellator will sandwich a card in between like a big event and, an, and their next event and they'll it's like a bama show or a cage warrior show and they'll just slap a couple they'll slap the bellator logo on there and add a couple fighters in there that's basically what this is i mean tim Wilde, talking about not being wild about this main event i mean brent Primus. it's uh you know it, it's it, it, you know premise needs a bounce back but he's not he's not like a headliner i mean he's a former champion but like you know, I, I don't think there's much interest. Yeah. I mean, there isn't much interest in this. I know Fabian Edwards is on this card too. He's uh, Leon Edwards brother. He's quite interesting. Brian Moore who fought in the UFC SPG guy making the drop to bantamweight. He really needs a win. So that's kind of interesting. Sal Rogers is on this as well. He was on the ultimate fighter. I had some visa issues. The UFC didn't pick him up. So now he's in Bellator. So that's a little bit interesting, but yeah, I'm not going out of my, I mean, this is, if there was ever a, you know, a PVR or whatever, I don't even, I don't even know if this is live, um you know this this is uh definitely a sunday afternoon i'll zoom through the you know the fights the catch the highlights type bellator show but that they only have themselves to blame they they can't be doing these cards that are so meaningless and they don't do any promotion for them like the only reason i knew brent Primus was on this card was because his management reached out to me about an interview and i did the interview but like i completely forgot this card was this weekend this is not even a
0: pvr dvr this is a watch the highlights on youtube, on YouTube yeah on YouTube, which they don't send to us anymore because I wouldn't do a deal with the zone. So there you go.
2: Ooh a little slap in the face. You're out of the D
1: Zone.
0: Well, yeah. I mean they, they reached out and they were like, Oh, hey, maybe we can do some sort of sort of ad deal. And they hit me with like a coupon gimmick. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not making the ad dependent on how much I sell your service. Like mm-hmm. that's not that's not how we're rocking that. And then mysteriously after that, we don't get the highlights anymore and i'm told well the zone limits who we can send it to and i'm like oh gee i, I wonder yeah i wonder what happened there uh, on the other end of things i think pfl has a pretty damn good show all things considered next week on the prelims you have uh gosh i don't know how to pronounce his name david michaud Mashad. Mashad, there you go yeah. nice name over there larissa pacheco ufc veteran who a lot of people thought would be something he wasn't but the main card there's a lot I'm excited about. Uh, Joe or James, I know you're familiar with Chris Curtis. He's a local here who has since moved. He's taking on Lewis Taylor. This is a big, big fight for Chris Taylor. You know as well as I do, he's nonstop on social media. Why am I not in the UFC and this guy's in the UFC? He's getting maybe a better chance here, considering the fact that he retired like a year ago. If he walks away with a million dollars, you know that could ease the pain a little bit.
1: I agree. Best case scenario for Chris Curtis gets to fight on ESPN. Um, This is, this is better than being in the UFC. And here's the thing too. I mean, I think it's a better scenario for him. If he was in the UFC, he'd probably be on the prelims. He's on ESPN with PFL in the main event. It doesn't get any better than that. And actually both these guys got snubbed by the UFC. Uh, If you remember, I want to, I got to look this up. I forget which fight it was, but he was uh, Lewis Taylor was supposed to fight Uriah Hall ages ago and he couldn't, I think he got injured or something. Oh yeah. Here's what happened. 2015, So UFC Fight Night 59, Lewis Taylor was supposed to fight Uriah Hall on short notice. He got a back injury. UFC never kept him around. And that's when he went to World Series of Fighting so and you look at the career he's had i mean this is a guy who's 39 years old and he won a million dollars last year in the middleweight tournament making the drop to welterweight for this fight very interesting matchup two really good guys and uh you mentioned chris curtis i actually spoke to him he is uh, actually in las vegas right now training out there so he switched camps up um he's actually using the pi i kind of joked at him i was like is this your way of getting back at the ufc is using that guest pass at the pi and he like sort of laughed about that but um no good for him i think this is i I think this is such a good fight and and a ufc level fight in my opinion i mean if People want to disagree with me, that's fine. But this is a very, very good fight uh, for PFL to kick things off.
0: Ray Cooper, who's been a standout for PFL against uh, Zayn Kamaka. You have John Howard against Magomed, Magomed Karamov. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but the, the two fights I'm particularly interested in, Kayla Harrison in action against Svetlana Katova, a 2-0 fighter. But it's the Kayla Harrison show. That's what a, a lot of people tune in because of Kayla Harrison. And Joe, Sarah Kaufman taking on a woman who has five pro fights. That could be tragic Unless that Morgan
2: woman. Freer comes up with a lot of speed uh, and starts peppering Sarah Kaufman. I don't like her chances, to be honest with you. I think Sarah Kaufman walks away with this one here. I'm happy with Ray Cooper the third as well. He's, he's a good guy. Uh, but I, I think I do agree with you. First of all, James, Lewis Taylor versus Chris Curtis. I'm, I'm sort of 50-50 on it being an actual uh, UFC caliber fight because my mentality is... When I still think – I go back to ninety, I don't know, 97, 96 when it was called the Super Bowl of MMA. Uh, but it is a quality fight. It's a solid main event. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, but, Sean, I think you're right. It's Kayla, Kayla Harrison show. It's going to be a good scrap here. We'll see how her development uh, continues and what her evolution looks like.
0: That show takes place, like, I think it's next week, but I figured we'd
1: get the jump on it. It's a day got- after. Yeah, it's a, sorry. It's a day – I think it's on the 9th, actually, so it's a day after – um, our uh, our show, I think next week or whatever, unless I'm yeah. wrong here or something like that. Just one quick thing: this Ray Cooper fight I got to mention is very interesting. Joe, you know Zane Kamaka he fought in Titan. Yep. Um, they're cousins, and actually Ray um, Ray Cooper like cannot stand Zane Kamaka. There's this oh, whole thing with his family. Uh, you know, they're both from Hawaii, so Ray Cooper is like, you know, apparently Zane Kamaka is like the black sheep of the entire family. And so like this is super personal. I've I've interviewed Ray Cooper a couple times. He was so pissed off at Zane Kamaka. And he's like, I'm just he's like, I asked for this fight. He's ruining my family's name, all this stuff. Tune into that fight. That fight's going to be awesome because uh, I, like I nice. said, we've seen Ray Cooper is, you know, for the most part, a pretty like you know respectful, quiet guy. He was pissed off at Zane, and he's like, I'm gonna. He's like, this guy's so unranked. He's overhyped because he trains with Max Holloway. He's like, I'm going to show this guy he's so unskilled. Blah blah blah. Like, it's re- going to be a really good fight.
0: We also have UFC Ottawa this weekend. I'm going to run down uh, the the prelim shows. There are a couple of fights which we can add some unique perspective on though. Cole Smith, a plus one hundred and five. Mitch Guignon a minus 125. Kyle Nelson, a plus 185. Matt Sales, a minus 225. You have Nordine Taleb, a massive favorite, at minus 340. Against Kyle Pripolek, a plus 280. Uh, Andrew Sanchez, a minus 155. Mark Andre, Barry a plus 135. But Eamon Zahabi, minus 165. Against Vince Morales, a plus 145. Obviously, the Zahabi name's going to jump off the page, and Joe is going to develop little hard eye emojis. But <laughs> your, your thoughts on what I've run down there, Joe? Uh,
2: if Amin can start generating a bit more power, he's got it. But in this, when you're in the UFC, you've got to generate more. He can start finishing guys at ease. His, his striking precision and his striking in general is absolutely fantastic. He's just got to be able to to launch it. Uh, Mitch Gagnon, I haven't talked to Mitch in a while. Uh, remember this is a guy that fought Hayden Barrow before, right so uh, he's been around as well, but uh, you know Mitch's gone through some serious injuries he's he's back um, this he could quietly begin moving up the hundred and thirty five pounds he 's just got to be able to be smart about this and, and, and see where it goes and um, you know when you take a look when you start talking about Nordine Taleb being a huge favorite. Uh, he, he's underrated still in my opinion. He's got the experience and but he's also got a lot of MMA mileage. Don't forget that. He's been doing this for a long time. Uh, Maybe not many fights but he's been doing this for a long time. I still think he murders victorious in this fight.
0: We also have Arian Buller at plus 105. Juan Adams at minus 125. Both these guys kind of have a pro wrestling connection. Buller was supposed to be walked to the cage uh, about a year and a half ago by Jinder Mahal. That didn't end up happening. He's talked about jinder mahal straight up talking him out of being a pro wrestler Juan adams is a guy that you've spoken to a lot james he actually i believe he had a tryout right
1: yeah with wwe he did yeah
0: And, and they're taking each other on this is a very close fight Juan adams has a lot of just athleticism and very very green unrefined arian buller is refined in some areas but hasn't been quite able to put it together in a dominating fashion uh what do you think about this one james
1: I think it's a very interesting fight. Um, You know, you've got Adams, who's clearly physically talented. He's a very big guy. Um, I think he showed a few holes in that debut against Cristela Roca. I wasn't super impressed, but I mean, he's only got five fights. That's not a ton of experience, but that's heavyweight MMA in the state of you know 2019. You know, we just saw Greg Hardy get his, I think, fifth fight as well. So I think it's one of those things where you know, can Adams adapt quickly enough to take on a guy in Bowler who has Olympic level wrestling? I mean, we forget that he fought or he competed as a wrestler for the Canadian Olympic team. So this guy is you know very well established. Not to mention that. The fact that for this camp and like a lot of his other camps, he's down at American Kickboxing Academy training with Daniel Cormier. That is a good thing to you know be able to train with one of the best in the world. Um, this is a coin flip for me. I mean, I, when this was first announced, I was like, I know what they're doing here. They're trying to build up Juan because Arjun hasn't been super impressive, but. Again, if Arjun's able to out-wrestle Juan Adams, I think there's some value here on him at plus 105. And just the fact that he has a lot more MMA experience, not a ton, but I mean, he's got nine fights compared to Juan's uh, five. It should be interesting. The the question is, can Juan Adams, uh, you know can he outstrike Arjun Buller? And conversely, can Buller use his wrestling to, uh, to take him out there? So I think this is a bit of a coin flip. If I have to pick, I'll go Adams. But I think there is some value here on Arjun Buller just with his wrestling background.
0: I am real excited to see what you guys think of this line. Macy Chiasin, a minus 700. Sarah Moras, a plus 500. Now, I get it. Macy's the hot thing on the streets. That line is wild to me.
1: Wild to me. James, uh, what says you? I think... People saw that last fight with Macy Chasson, uh, you know, completely dismantling Gina Mazzani. Like, we have to remember that we don't see, like, first-round finishes with female fighters that often. Yeah. And what she did to Gina Mazzani, I, I know Gina's sort of on the fringe of being a UFC fighter. That was still very impressive. And you have Sarah Morris, who's had sort of an up-and-down career. She's had some good wins. She had that win over Ashley Evan Smith. But, um, you know, it, it's tough to say sort of where she fits in the equation. I think it's more people are impressed with Chess Chasson because like she was you know people didn't people didn't pick her to win the show she won the show at 45 she beat Penny at a fighter who's a lot more experienced than her I get the hype I mean this line is still crazy in my opinion but yeah. I I I do, I do see it I do see Chasson you know, winning this fight. But I just, those odds are just insane to me. It's kind of like what we had with Roosevelt, Roberts, and Gifford last week. Like, Roberts clearly won that fight. There's no contestant about that. But Gifford had his moments. Gifford wasn't like a plus 500, in my opinion. To me, when you're that much of an underdog, you have to be like completely, it has to be like a, you know, I don't know, like an Edson Barbosa and Dan Hooker type fight where there's just no competition whatsoever. One person gets completely (laughs) flatlined. That to me is is a huge favorite in a fight like this. I don't know if that fight goes like this. I think Sarah will have her moments, but I think Macy Chasson will win this fight. I I think Sarah could probably get underneath the hips of Macy pretty well.
0: And Sarah is usually pretty heavy on top. I look at experience an awful lot. And three years ago, it's not like, she can't be finished. She was finished in an amateur fight by a woman who never even turned pro. Uh, an excellent amateur fighter at that, Anna Dempster. But three years ago, Sarah Morris was in the UFC and had been for a while and has been fighting a very long time. Do I think that shia is good? Do I think she'll win? Probably. But she's not unbeatable. But it is very, very, very hard to finish Sarah Morris as we've seen in the past. Uh, I think Juliana Pena did it on tough. And I think that's it. I think... That was the only time that she's ever been finished, pro or amateur, if
2: I could be wrong. But yep, Joe, any right. thoughts on this one? My thoughts are pretty basic. I mean, I think Macy is going to win this fight, not easily. But I'll say this. If towards the end of this show, if Sarah Moras is not in one of your I got fives on it, mm-hmm. I might as well just resign. Yeah, Like, there's no yeah. point in me even being part of Fightful anymore. Like, I mean, plus 500? What are you, insane? Jumping yeah. on that.
0: We have Sergey Spivak, a plus 140. Walt Harris, a minus 160. Brad Katona, plus 135. Mirab Dvavishvili, a minus 155. I think that could be a good fight or it could be a really bad fight. Then we have Cub Swanson, plus 150 against Shane Burgos, minus 170. Any thoughts on these, James, as we head into the top fights?
1: Yeah, I think the lines are wrong on both of these. I think Katona should be the favorite against Devalishvili. What has do, Devalishvili too. done in, in the UFC, really, other than he probably should have beat Ricky Simone because I don't know if he was necessarily, you know, if the ref screwed that up or what happened there. But uh, he's in close fights with guys that, like like his last fight, for example, he got a, he got a close win over Tarion Ware, who's not in the UFC anymore. Like, to me, Katona already beat that type of fighter in the bantamweight division and Matthew Lopez. I don't think Lopez will be in the UFC. I haven't heard anything about him being cut, but it's got to be pretty close here. Katona's good. He's getting better every day. He's fighting at the right weight class now at 135 um yeah, I mean, I think he's he's undefeated for a reason and I think he hasn't really been battle-tested and I th- I think he should be the favorite in this fight. So if you can get him at plus money, I think Bracketone is definitely worth it. Conversely, Cub Swanson, if you look at his experience compared to Shane Burgos, I mean, he's got 35 fights. He's fought the who's who. I realize he's taking some damage. He's getting older, this and that. But Shane Burgos only has 12 fights. He barely beat Kurt Hollibaugh. I mean, Hollibaugh had that fight in the bag and then he just he you know had some bad fight IQ there and he ended up getting submitted. I think Burgos is a great fighter, but this wasn't that long ago that Calvin Cater finished Shane Burgos as well. Um, I think there's definitely value here on Cub Swanson at, at plus money. I might even take a stab at him. Maybe I'll even pick him. Maybe I will pick him in this fight because again, I, I think you have to look at who Cub's losing to. Frankie Edgar, he's losing to well, you look know at his last
2: three losses, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Frankie Edgar, Brian Ortega, Moicano, uh, Burgos hasn't fought anyone to that level yet, really. And and I think that as much as I love Burgos, great interview, great guy, definitely a, a you know rising prospect. I think Swanson should be the favorite here. So I think at plus money. Uh, for, for both Swanson and Katona, that is definitely, uh, I got five for sure. Joe, any thoughts on these?
2: Yeah, you take a look at Cub Swanson, man. He, uh, Brian Ortega's Brian Ortega, man. You, you, most guys are going to lose to him in this division. Frankie Edgar, he went the distance with Frankie Edgar. He lost the decision, right? And that was just one year ago. Then he ran into Renato Moicano. And this is just after I think he had his daughter, right, guys? Or he had his child? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, maybe mentally he, he was there. Different motivation, but it's a different Cup Swanson. Again, he's got MMA mileage, but this dude's a monster no matter what. So just go back to his Du Choi fight at UFC 206. I mean, yeah, his Artem Lobov fight. I mean, half the fights this guy has are just all performance of the night. So I I don't think he's going to lose uh, on Saturday night. I think he's going to emerge victorious. So we'll see what happens. But I'm I'm definitely thinking he's going to have his hand raised at victory.
0: Fightful alumni Elias Theodoru is a plus 100 against Eric Brunson, minus 120. Elias is not the most exciting fighter in the world, but he has won five of his last six, and they're matching him up against a guy who's lost hit two in a row, lost four of his last six because of how Elias fights. I'm shocked this is a co-main event. Brunson fights so exciting that sometimes it just doesn't make sense. And I think that's probably what the UFC is hoping for here. For better or for worse, Joe, I think they want him to press forward, cause some havoc, maybe draw something out of Elias, or put him down. Um, this is this is a really good test for Elias in that regard. How do you think it goes?
2: I think it's a huge test for Elias, and I think he's got to be smart about it because you know Derek Brunson doesn't have a, a you know a reverse gear, doesn't have a neutral gear. I think he'll come out and I'll tack Elias because he's not he's not going to want to uh, you know be under that pressure of, of fighting Elias here in Canada and sit there thinking these fans are going to be cheering this guy. I'm going to hurt him. I'm going to hurt him. I'm going to hurt him. If Elias can withstand. Uh, and he's good. Elias is smart in the first round. People always say he's a slow starter. Well, he uses that first round a, a, as a feeler process, right, just to see exactly what his opponent's up to. And then you'll see Elias pick up the pace in, in rounds two and three, which means we could see Elias technically lose this first round if he can withstand those first five minutes, then begin to take over in the second round. And, you know, it, it's next to impossible for any one of us three to say he's going to get a finish. But if there's ever going to be a finish that's going to present itself, it's against a tired fighter. And if Brunson gasses himself out or, or expends too much energy where mistakes start to happen, Elias can take over.
1: James? Yeah, and I think um, I think that's what happened to Eric Anders. I think he tried to go for broken that second round against Elias, ran out of gas, and Elias ended up winning that fight. And that was a fight where I think people were picking Eric Anders. And this, to me, is a similar situation where you have a guy in Brunson who has knockout power, but if you can't put him away, then you're going to run into trouble. And Elias is great at game planning and using his cardio and going a little bit, uh, you know, the, going the distance or whatever. Um, the interesting thing with Brunson for this fight is that he's training at hard knocks. So, um, you know, getting some refined striking, uh, you know, technique with Henry Hooft and, and all those uh, great fighters out at hard knocks and getting to work with Robbie Lawler and and everyone else. So I think that's going to help Brunson in this fight. The problem is Theodore is so tough to finish. He's never actually been finished in his career. Uh, and he's fought guys that have finishing power like Tiago Santos, like Brad Tavares. Um, so, I, I think if Brunson doesn't finish this, this could be Elias's fight to take. This would be, and I, I got five on it, to be honest. And I would actually, the prop right now on Theodoro by decision isn't much more, but it's plus 130. I think that's probably likely if Elias wins the fight. I don't see Elias finishing Derek Brunson, but, uh, you know, because Elias' last finish, I think, was Roger Narvice like ages ago. Yeah. So, um, it's been a while, but, uh, yeah, I just think, I, I think Elias has shown that he's very durable. And I think if Brunson can't put him away, he could end up taking it now saying that I think Brunson, if this stays on the feet, I think Brunson's the better striker and he'll take home a, a win himself, but, uh, don't count out Elias in this fight. And to answer your question as to why this is a coming event, I think it's come to the point, Joe, and you could probably speak more to this than, than I can, but you know, let's, let's go back to when the UFC first came to Canada. You had George St. Pierre. You had all these huge stars. I think right now, if you're looking at the roster, Elias is probably the biggest Canadian star they have right now. So that's why he's in this co-main event slot. And he has a big following on Twitter. And you know he has all these things outside the, you know the, uh, his, his current fighting career. I think that's what they're banking on more than anything, is that he's just a guy that you know Canadians are like, oh, yeah, I'll root for him. I think that's why he's in the spot.
2: Yeah, he's got the biggest following in the country, that's for sure. Uh, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a live UFC uh, competitor on the roster. So I, I think that's why he's in the co-main event um you know we can get into the UFC and how they drop the ball in Canada but that's another story altogether
0: main event ally Aquinta a minus 130 favorite against Donald Cerrone a plus 110 Donald Cerrone assuming the weight cut goes smoothly I mean he never misses weight in that regard but you never know what it what it takes out of him he's won three out of four and he's finishing people ally Aquinta, great performance against Kevin Lee also, I wonder what kind of Kevin Lee that was. That was not the Kevin Lee that so many expected. Uh, other than that, he's not really had a great performance since 2017 because he didn't fight that much. But that win over Kevin Lee put him in a place in this division. Hanging with Habib Nurmagomedov for five rounds put him at a place in this division. I'm going with Donald Cerrone. I, I think that Donald Cerrone can get himself out of, most positions that he ends up in on the ground. However, as we've seen, Ally Aquinta will slug it out with you, and he will he will do some damage there. I think that Donald Cerrone has more ways to finish this fight than Ally Aquinta does, but I think the line is right where it should be, Joe. It's really close, and it's a hell of a fight. What do you think?
2: I think the line is exactly where it should be. I think you're absolutely right. My only concern from Donald Cowboy Cerrone would be the fact that you're cutting more weight uh less water around your brain, aka easier to get knocked out. Taking on Alia Quinta, who'll be more than happy to brawl with him. So this is this is going to be a fantastic fight. I cannot see it whatsoever being a boring fight or what the hell am I watching type of fight. I think this one goes down and this is going to be Guns of Blair and just these guys are going to be going absolutely nuts. Um I don't know if I could actually make a prediction of this one here because there's there's Cerrone just has that skill, boys, that at any one point in time, he throws off that three four punch combination, ends with a kick, someone goes ninety-nine. night. So an ally of Quint is a you know, he's a real estate agent, I'm a mortgage broker. <laughs> we're, we're, we're cool like that. I know Donald forever know Al forever right? So I'm just going to let this one go boys. I'm just looking forward to it going down. James.
1: Yeah, I think this is I Joe, I'm glad Joe brought up the weight cut because I think that could play a role here. I thought it was gonna happen in the last fight against Alex Hernandez. I thought Hernandez would catch him at one point, but I think the experience with Cowboy, and I think I think uh, you know, Hernandez got a little big brother there. I think maybe a little too, you know, you're fighting your idol, one of your idols in Cowboy. I mean, uh, Hernandez is from, you know, Texas and stuff. It was a big deal for him fighting him. But Ally acquainted to me, what he showed in his last fight, and I realized Kevin maybe wasn't himself, but that was very impressive. He went the distance with Habib. I realized that was a short notice fight. But Al is getting big wins. He's getting big knockouts. I think Al, all he has to do if this stays standing is, is, is you know, um, you know, outpoint Cerrone. And to me, I think Al right now is the better fighter. I think we haven't learned enough at, at you know, as far as Cerrone at uh, at lightweight. I mean, if you look honestly, if you go look at Cerrone's record right now, his biggest win, his last big win at lightweight you have to go all the way back to Benson Henderson January 2015 like no offense to John McDessie and some of the other lightweights he's fought but that's the biggest win he's had in the lightweight division since then and Al's been beating you know Kevin Lee and he you know Diego Sanchez has a split over uh, Jorge Masvidal which as well I know that was a fight that could have gone either way but still that that's still a good win on his uh, on his resume to me I think that Iaquinta is just the better striker and I don't see this hitting the mat I think Iaquinta keeps his standing and he potentially finishes Cerrone either in the third round or he gets a decision here. But I like Ali Iaquinta. And I think the line, like you said, is right where it needs to be. Cerrone, very dangerous on the ground, you know, an accomplished striker himself. But I just think, you know, I'll go with the younger guy and the guy who has a little bit more upside in the lightweight division.
0: Time to slap you guys with my I got five on it picks for UFC Ottawa. The easy one, Sarah Moras plus 500 against Macy Shelson. Keeping my job. Hey, there you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> there there are some interesting props here. Like, uh, Morass wins inside the distance at plus 856. Uh, Morass wins by decision, a plus 750. Like, I definitely think she could win by decision. Not to the point to where I'll go with that, though. Uh, Sergey Spivak, a plus 140. Not a great line or anything, but it's a heavyweight fight, as we mentioned. I am always willing to take a flyer on that. Walt Harris, a minus 160. And another rather close line that I'm willing to to take one on is the one that James mentioned. Plus 135, Brad Katona. Mirab D. is uh, minus 155. We've seen Mirab in some situations that he couldn't get himself out of, literally to the point to where he may have actually been out of them and still lost the fight. So uh, Brad Katona is looking very, very good of lately. A bonus one, guys. I think there might be some value on Cub Swanson at plus 152 because of uh, all the things that he's done. But that's my UFC uh, Ottawa. I got five on it picks. Join our live coverage this weekend. James, what do you got going
1: on? Uh, I'll just mention a quick, I got five as well. Cole Smith, we didn't talk about him. I know we talked yeah. about the Gagnon fight. He's plus money right now. Been a lot more active than Mitch Gagnon has. Gagnon hasn't fought since December of 2016 when he lost to Matthew Lopez. I think there's a chance that Cole Smith, the BFL champ, could go in there and, and take care of business at plus 105. But uh, as far as what I got going on, uh, my roof's being renovated. I hope you guys didn't hear it. Uh, I've been dealing with that this week. So um, I've got a few interviews, but kind of scaling back a little bit this week. Plus it's tax season. I don't know if you've got a uh, Joe. I know I'm sure you're filing your taxes as well, but it's been a uh, bit annoying, but Uh, yeah. So just, uh, you know, keeping busy, but uh, a little bit of a lighter week work-wise for me. Joe, yourself?
2: Uh, My taxes don't have to be filed till June, James, self-employed. My wives are done. Uh, That's been submitted. Uh, Other than that, same old, same old for me. No soccer for this guy for a week as our indoor permits Mm -hmm. have expired. And in Canada, Sean, up here, not sorry, I shouldn't say Vancouver, Uh, in Toronto, just north of Toronto, our fields aren't ready. So we're not getting field stuff till next week. So A break for my boys, a break for me. And because I've got this cold, I don't have to yell and get these boys on their pylons and get those drills going. So uh, same old, same old for me.
0: Guys, thank you all so much. Until next time, we're out.